Welcome back to Carl's Internal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be covering the Geometry of Shadows, the Babylon 5 Season 2 episode. So, in this episode, it is... It's a really fun episode, a really light episode, but it deals with some really heavy topics. There's, there's a way that comedy can sometimes reveal truths about our society or our... Um, place in the world bit of human condition through its absurdity and i think this episode is a good example of it i can think of many other examples um there's a short story in the uh, witcher saga by andrei sapkowski uh called the eternal flame which ultimately is about adherence to religious dogma and racism uh, and basically uh, the witch hunts that can come from adhering to a massive uh, uh, religious dogma and letting that feed uh, inherent biases. But if you read it, on a surface level, it is a comedy short story. It's about Dandelion making a bunch of goofy mistakes with uh, the woman he's, uh, he's sleeping with and Geralt having to deal with the shapeshifter who refuses to sit still. You know, it's kind of funny. That is the kind of situation we are in in uh, The Geometry of Shadows, is that it has these really great, hilarious moments that you're laughing out loud, but it's genuinely also trying to tell you something about us as a people. So I think the most obvious place to start in regards to that is most definitely the Drazi. So the Drazi have this tradition that every five or so years, they reach into a barrel, basically, and they each pull a sash. And it's completely arbitrary, it's completely random, and the sashes are green and purple. And they put these sashes on, and green follows green leader, and purple follows uh, purple leader, and for the next 1.2 years, in human time anyway, they proceed to kill each other and fight each other until what is left can come together at the very end and the whoever rules the green the purple whatever rules over for the remaining uh time until those five years are up and then it starts all over again now on the surface this seems absolutely ridiculous stupid bizarre and as portrayed in the episode funny but if you think about it think about it for just one second you notice an interesting parallel to us humans in real life it's the mentality of tribalism in the belief that your side is always right and the opposition is always wrong it is the iphone versus android debate it's the marvel versus dc debate it's the uh republican versus democrat debate it's the uh any number of debates uh, it's this black and white, very two-dimensional argument that says your side is wrong, my side is right. And they don't hate, they don't hate each other. That's the thing. The purple and the green simply kill each other because he is purple, I am green. It's what we do. Does this sound familiar? Because it kind of sounds familiar to me. I, I grew up in a state that entirely... Uh, votes Republican, and I happen to not be that way. I don't really have many political views, but what I do have do not swing 
towards the Republican section, but I know people in my family that purely vote on Republican, any Republican candidate, simply because they are Republican. They don't care about people's views like I do. They don't care about the platforms. They don't care about how they compose themselves. They don't care about anything. They simply vote for them because they're Republican. And it, there's no... It, it's completely binary. It is entirely my side is my side and your side is your side. There is no attempt at all to see the hypocrisy and the stupidity of it. Um, it's tribalism. It is pure, unadulterated tribalism. And the thing is, is that, as we all know, and to quote Kosh from an earlier episode in season one, understanding is a three-edged sword. And if we apply that to our real life, every, every argument has three sides. Your side, my side, and the truth. And... It is a wonderful way to both have a hilarious side plot involving Ivanova getting this promotion and now having to deal with this ridiculous diplomatic situation and trying to figure out this bizarreness while also letting Garibaldi get a hold of his character arc, which I'll address in a minute, while also legitimately trying to say something. So it both works on a deeper level and is also trying to get a laugh out of you at, uh, laugh out of you at the same time. Um, I think that is brilliant, and I think this is a much better attempt at comedy than uh, the other attempts at comedy, because this not only says something, but it also is legitimately funny. Uh, compare this to the comedy scenes in Grail, for instance. The next bit of this episode is uh, Garibaldi, as I hinted at. Um, so he's dealing with the fact that he was shot in the back obviously by Jack. He's now recovered due to the eating healing device, and as I talked about last episode, he was dealing with his paranoia and the fact that his new commander, his new captain, is someone he doesn't know. Uh, he's dealing with the fact that the Psycor may have been behind this entire ordeal, and basically he's dealing with the fact that he let someone get close. He trusted someone, and then they betrayed that trust and shot him in the back, and this is symbolic it's not just that he was physically shot in the back, it's that he was stabbed in the back or shot in the back mentally and psychologically as well. It's all about him letting go of his own natural paranoia in order to let people get close. He had friends, and one of those friends almost killed him. And now he doesn't know if he's right for the job because he let his guard down. And a security officer who is not always at his best, who's not always out on attention, who's always out looking for security, is no security officer at all. So now he has to deal with that. And because he's such a good detective and he looks at more than just the surface details and he knows this station inside and out and the people that live on this station inside and out and knows it just so well, he was able to save Ivanova's life while anybody else couldn't do that. He's the one that knows Ivanova so well that he knew that she would never just not put her voice on the deal because her uh, voice over the communicator and uh, give, an, give an instruction and give an update. Ivanova's a very hands-on person. Uh, she, she even has a line in this episode which is perfectly indicative of who she is as a character that, that is literally, I started this and by God I'm going to finish it. Uh, 
and the fact that no one questioned why she simply sent a message rather than actually voicing her update uh, shows that Garibaldi is still needed. They need someone who understands how the station and the people on it operate. And that's when he realizes he needs this job because he is the perfect person for the position, as he puts at the end. Uh, you know, as Sheridan puts at the end, it's because you're paranoid and compulsive. And Franklin Jokin says, or compulsively paranoid. He is the literal perfect person for the job, and he thinks he's lost his edge, but he hasn't. And this episode's all about him regaining his edge. And it's a nice parallel between him and Ivana because Ivana's got her promotion, and now she's having to navigate the wild waters that is running the station on a more diplomatic level dealing with the absurdity of some of the of diplomatic relations uh and figuring out where she belongs in that while garibaldi is trying to figure out where he belongs on the station period it's great 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 little subplots there it, it, and then the other one the other plot it, it, it gets a large majority of screen time and it's interesting with it it's all right but i do kind of prefer the drazi stuff simply because it's so poignant and funny is the Technomages, uh, the Technomages plot has legitimately funny moments, um, and it has a lot to say about Londo and Vera as characters, but I don't think it's as socially biting as, um, as the Drazi plot. Um, one thing I do like is that we get different perspectives on destiny. Londo feels cursed where he's at. Vera believes that there are different paths you can choose to follow that there are these eddies uh the streams uh basically and that you can follow one or the other and the easier paths are never the ones that you should be following because it, it will ultimately deceive you um and that in that you need and that sometimes you have to swim against the current but sometimes you have to go with the current um and then and then the techno mages have a different view on fate because while they're techno mages, quote unquote, they're mages. They 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 see the future. Blah 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 blah. It's all about knowledge for them. It, it, the, your destiny. Um, it, it, it's less about the where you're going and more about the journey. And uh, and with them, because they don't have magic, it's not real magic. Because any suitably advanced technological thing is nearly indistinguishable from magic. So these techno mages, they have quote unquote magic, but they're not, it's not really magic. It's just like holograms, it's smoke and mirror. It's, it's, it's theatricality and deception. Um, but there's a, there's a grain in truth in everything they say. Uh, and Michael and Sarah uh, has a wonderful performance, just gives such a wonderful performance in his distinctive, absolutely wonderful voice uh, is used to perfection to show the the otherworldliness of these techno mages while also being distinctly of this world um and that that bit at the end where he's talking to londo and he gives him the prophecy that londo has been asking for this entire time uh is uh, you know i see a great hand and that hand is your hand it's reaching out from the stars and i hear billions of people crying out your name my followers, your victims. Great, chilling delivery. Just an absolutely spine-tingling moment. It's just so good. And, of course, those who've watched this show 
uh, know what that prophecy is about and where that's coming from and where we're heading. Uh, and of course, uh, we see a lot of where Londo's going as a character. He's made a lot of mistakes. Um, and whether he sees them as mistakes or not is ultimately up for him and the viewer to some extent to decide. Um, obviously, he believes he can do something. Uh, whether it's that something is good or not is another question. I mean, we have Lord Rifa, who is very clearly this young politician, wet behind the ears. He's so young, he all he wishes is to overthrow the old, the old guard, bring in the new guard. He talks about how the emperor is old and frail and useless, and he talks about the glory days. He romanticizes it, much like Londo has romanticized it, but Londo is far older, far more experienced. And notice that Lord Rifa always talks about things as though they have no consequences. It's simply, this is going to happen, the end. Um, and it's it's very clear that Londo wants to accomplish something cl close to what Rifa wants to do, at least at this moment. But he thinks maybe, maybe he, with his experience and his wisdom and his age, can rein the young Rifa in and maybe produce something good out of the chaos that a young mind brings. Who knows? Um, so I'll get into spoilers real quick. Um, I'm, uh, I have a couple of spoiler things I want to talk about. So, of course, the, the, the prophecy is about um, his deal with the shadows. And the, the and we will see the hand stretching out from the star will be a nightmare that Londo has in actually a few episodes in The Coming of Shadows. It's really cool that that was acknowledged. Um, and then, of course, that, that horrible, horrible line that just makes my heart just drop. Just, oh, the, when, when Londo asked the Technomage at the end, will I have to spend the rest of my life paying for one little mistake? that is a powerful moment because as we all know he ends up on a burning crumbled throne all alone sitting over a burning world he will be the emperor of ashes paying for his one little mistake but no it's a really good episode and has some fantastically hilarious moments that it's legitimately one of my favorite episodes to just go back and watch uh, not on an analysis level, but just simply an enjoyment factor, especially that Drazi subplot is just so much fun and so ridiculous, but also so true to life in the way how it, how it shows just how ridiculous humans can be with taking sides. But I shall see you next week for A Distant Star. Until then, bye! <laughs>